Hey everyone, and welcome back to QWERTYCAST, the podcast about indie games, PC games, everything in between, and the people who love them. Uh, I am joined today, I am Dre Dre, your, your favorite host, most likely, and I'm joined today by two of my other favorite hosts, uh, Cam Hello. and Dave. That's me. And we today are hanging out and talking about choice. And choice, what do you mean by choice? I mean choice in video games, the illusion of choice in video games, and what kind of choices we're allowed to make in gaming. Uh, We have a lot to talk about when it comes to this topic because there are a lot of different types of choices you can make in video games. But we thought that it'd be an interesting discussion for everyone to follow along with. And um, yeah, we can just get started on that. So the first question, honestly, is... Just what are the different types of choices that video games give you? And um, I'll let Cam start this one off because he kind of introduced this topic for us. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Honestly, so when I was a kid, uh, I never, I didn't choose my video game console. You know, my mm-hmm. mom just went and got the PlayStation. But so what that I did have to choose is what game am I going to rent to play? Um, that just kind of like sparked the whole thing of like, what am I going to do? But in actual gameplay wise, what my choice was is it starts with character customization. So how do you want your character to look? Do you guys like, mm-hmm. like your character to be more like you? Do you guys like to have like this fantasy of what you'll be? Or do you just want something pretty to look at? Personally, I just like to look at something pretty. Um, so whatever that means for you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess I can answer your question there. Um, I don't care. I like if, if I can do character customization, I try not to make it look like me a lot of times because, um, I look like an average white guy and that's really boring. Um, so I like to just, you know, change it up. Even, even if we're talking about like a fantasy setting, you know, why do I need to be the human character? I know it's like to be human. (laughs) What I don't know is what it's like to be a wood elf. So, you know, hmm. change it up. Just go that overlord style where you're a demi-human or in some way not human at all. Right, right. Um, but also plenty of games where I don't have any character customization uh, except for, like, cosmetics. A Hat in Time, love that one. Um, it's got some co- cosmetic changes, but mm. you are the main character, and that's it. And I'm totally fine with that. I always felt like there with most video games you don't really have to do much research before you make a choice like that like what kind of character you want to be how do you want to represent yourself but you cam kind of made me think about like when you said wood elf just oh right when it comes to games like D or it comes to role-playing games where you have to pick something like an elf or a templar or something like that you should know what that means before you make the choice because that actually defines the kind of skills and stats that you're going to specifically want to grow. You know, you're not going to oh, go into like a small character and try to be like the tank of the group. I mean, you can, but dude, you're going to open up a whole can of worms. If you <laughs> go down this road, like I, character yeah. customization in, in games that like the customization alters Decides your, your stats and, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That will, I can spend over well over an hour creating mm. a character. And that's, that's yeah. not even on the tier. That's that's Baldur's Gate 3 for me. Jesus. Right. It's like there's so many things to do. And then that gets into the min-maxing for me. Cuz I don't actually care, min-maxing? but I at least want to be better. So yeah, min-maxing so like, is when go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, do no. It. You go ahead. No. Go ahead, Andres. What is it? Min-maxing. <laughs> I think that's a pair of Pokémon in Emerald. Oh god. Yeah, I don't know. I actually was going to bring up Pokemon Emerald and I guess the same thing can be said about like uh the generation before that. But when you I remember one of the earliest choices in video games that made me really happy was in Pokemon being able to choose my gender and just going with the like I mean, I don't think I always went with the female. I I started going with the female choice more often when I got older, but I did like that choice that it wasn't just you're a guy and you choose your name. 
and that's the thing too we didn't even talk about names because names are always really fun i'll i'll try to come up with the most clever or jokey name that i can for a character and i know a lot of people usually just name their characters after themselves uh which always surprises me um or uh if i know that my name is going to be used in dialogue so like for fallout 4 right like my name's dave so i put dave as my character's name because they they recorded the voice dave Mm-hmm. you know the name uh and in their voice lines because they recorded like a thousand names or whatever ridiculous oh, okay, thing cool. um and so i i did that but when it's a game like pokemon where i know the dialogue's going to be altered by the name sometimes mm-hmm. i like to be a little cheeky do mm-hmm. a do a name where like it changes how the dialogue goes and it almost makes it like they're asking you a, a funny question right yeah i would see that with like like game grumps they would always have a, a name that would basically make the sent like you just said like the sentence would be goofy because yeah. it's like oh hey what are you um i uh so <laughs> and then you just like talk to some- <laughs> that's your name um i uh yeah uh and the other kind of choices that we so we get past the character selection screen and then the next choices you usually come to is like the direction you're gonna go or the immediate type of what allegiances that you make with other people. Um, right. It also when there's a fork on... in the road, do you take it? Exactly. Um, so I think some games that come to mind, like genres that come to mind when we're talking about choice is like RPGs as we've kind oh, of crossed oh yeah. over. Um, what other games like it? A lot of choice comes from dialogue interactions. You know, we could, probably spend years talking about mass effect and the and the mass effect it had on like decision making in video games because that really which is sorry it's so interesting because that's the like mass effect is almost the definition of illusion of choice yeah because a lot of the dialogue options are meaningless mean absolutely nothing other than your paragon renegade meter and everything else about it like reconverges back to a central story point um mm. so it's actually piss a lot of people off about it mm-hmm. yeah and that's a, a lot of people always have an issue with like that good evil meter mm-hmm. because ultimately a lot of games they kind of make it lazy it's good neutral evil those are your three endings there might be like a a neutral evil and a neutral good option mm-hmm. that aren't on the full edge of the spectrum there but um ultimately like the game basically ends the same and and the the choices don't truly make a difference in what goes on in the game but doesn't it affect like your relationships with characters or how you can actually influence them specifically like if you have certain renegade versus um uh i can't remember the other word um there's something with a p yes but never to like a game-breaking degree uh you know like like uh Larian Studios with Divinity Original Sin uh, and Divinity Original Sin 2, Baldur's Gate 3, one of the things that they're doing is pushing that envelope of like, if we give you too much agency, mm-hmm. you're just going to, you're literally like, you're going to kill this person. That entire <laughs> quest line's gone forever. Oh, and, God. And so a lot of games do not do that for that exact reason. It breaks their story. Um, so Mass Effect is is that classic example. You can say something... And like that dialogue option will piss somebody off. Um, and like, it's kind of a hollow end game thing of like, Oh, well, like if you do this certain dialogue option throughout and you get this person to really like you, then they don't die at the end of the game or whatever mm-hmm. the thing is. Um, but ultimately as far as a bearing on the story itself, it, it really has no, no change in the final outcome of the game. Right. So like, for example, in Baldur's Gate three, uh, I just left that message being like, oh my God, I killed everyone. And that's because <laughs> there's this part, which I I failed a save role in, uh, I guess, the druids when you talk to them. Yeah. And so, spoiler alert, uh, this druid poisons one of my guys and he's going to die. So I was just like, well, I don't, I don't want that to happen. So then I tried convincing her to save him and it failed. And then we just started a combat. Uh, hmm. And I was like, oh my God. So I killed the chick 
the little druid, and then we walked outside, and everyone's angry at me. So then I killed all of them, and then I stole the crystal, and then everything was completely ruined, and all the, it just everything like all the tieflings are like trying to not die, and they're all being killed. Um, that was, that was a consequence of a failed, <laughs> of a choice I made by being like, oh yeah, I'll trust you. Just pricked my hand with it. I've but heard don't... in Skyrim there is a lot of, and probably the other elder scrolls games there's like a lot of situations where let's say for example um i know somebody who plays skyrim and they have like the 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 sidekick lydia who's apparently like hyper aggressive and will like just attack shit and she will instigate fights with people in town and then the whole town is against you because you've like killed this one person on accident or like somebody's trying to hurt you and then you hurt them back and then everyone sees you as the enemy and yeah. that always interested me because I I didn't really know if when you come back to that town, they all still hate you. Like, how long do those NPCs remember these transgressions? Because um, that kind of thing, if it is truly building an entire world where all of those decisions are interconnected, then that's incredible. But I thought that Skyrim was more about, like, where you go and what you're doing. It is. It's not yeah. that complicated. Mm-hmm. those uh systems it's really funny because a lot of them are based on like a time period of expiration or uh like hey here's your penalty pay like 500 gold to the guards and they forget that you murdered half the town <laughs> and you're like okay sure yeah that sounds pretty realistic though <laughs> um oh, definitely okay so what other kind of choices do games give us so we've talked about like uh dialogue choices we talked about um good and evil meters which i think the first good and evil meter i experienced was from a mobile game called xenonia i think that was called what it was called and i just remember playing this i have like these very distinct memories of playing this game on my phone while listening to kid cuddy albums and so they're very much linked to each other mm-hmm. but uh it was like you start off and you either have both or have the opportunity to stick with an evil or good fairy and the decisions you make throughout like actually affect your good and badness meter. And I don't really remember it affecting too much, but I think it might have affected like a story decision here and there. Um, but just remembering that, oh yeah, good and evil meters are a really good option for, for giving choice because it changes how people interact with you. Um, what other choices me, do people... Yeah. Like in, Fa- in Fable, you have that good and evil meter. And what that Fable does is change your look. Ultimately. It changes your look. Completely, yeah, if yeah. you're evil, you slowly grow horns, and the more evil you become, the larger mm-hmm. horns become. Mm-hmm. And I believe then the townsfolk would react to you different when they saw you. They'd be like, "Oh, holy shit! This dude's got horns growing out of his head." I don't want to talk to you, but mm-hmm. it was just like a like a dial. It was just like a passive dialogue thing. Like they would pass by you and be like, "Oh, this person's evil." Just like. Uh, in Skyrim and stuff when the guards pass by you and they're like, let me guess, someone stole your sweet roll. And you're like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, <laughs> man. Yeah, it ultimately didn't change too much in the game. Because uh, actually in Fable, you can become completely good and then go completely evil and then come back to neutral if you really wanted to. Mm. Yeah. And th- there's reasons to do this um, that I did. You know, you sacrifice a bunch of people and you get this sweet ass bow. Why wouldn't you do it? <laughs> Okay, but then you need to be really good to get into the one of the the face gates. I forget what they're called. Uh, yeah, to get this awesome sword. Here. But like, um, yeah, I don't know that like good and evil meter is like almost too simplified in things. Mm-hmm. It almost never, to me, it almost felt like a burden that never really affected much. I I don't like when they punish you in games for being evil. I just, I, I guess I like it when they just change how things are interacting. Like in Fable, they do that. In Knights of the Old Republic, it will affect who likes you more and who can ultimately become, like, who can join your side or who you can uh, change into a Jedi if you're evil or not. Who can you save? It's all, it's all, it's like, it barely changes anything. It ultimately changes the ending of some games, but. I'm so annoyed because there literally is a game that I'm trying to like remember um, where you basically want to do evil stuff all the time, but it really does affect like, like you're put into the game thinking like, oh, I should like be 
bad. This is terrible. I shouldn't even bring something up that I can't remember the name of. So think of like so Andres. Um, uh, if you yeah. look at this really quick, that's like mm-hmm. the difference between your evil decisions, your good decisions. Mm, okay, and like okay. What mm-hmm. happens to your like, facial appearances? We're stuff. seeing this very demonic character who you know, red eyes and everything, and red and black kind of aesthetic versus like this white knight character, which you know, in American culture, white is always used to uh be uh this sense of innocence or this sense of like um holiness. good and purity, purity you know as as white typically is associated with you know mm-hmm. i mean the only difference in that <laughs> i've heard is J- japan where white is associated with death um right right well uh, fair enough honestly i can totally see why yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah yeah so uh uh, again, as a reminder to everyone who listens, if you don't know this, we do a video portion of this that's released to our Patreon subscribers. Mm. You can find the link to our Patreon on CordyCast.com. Uh, currently, Andres is recording next to the sun, I believe, so you might catch some solar flares. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm just, like, camera. flaring up here and there. <laughs> and I'm trying but, to remember now what I had said to you guys as, like, some of the options of choice that I would see, like different experiences that you can have um bah, 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 character customization dialogue player actions gameplay or level and path design so like another game example of choice would be something like stardew valley where that is full of choice you get to choose what your farm looks like you get to choose what you plant and how you take care of them you get to choose if you can want to be like uh vegetarian or not i think um and there probably are a lot of other farm sim games where you can choose whether or not you're going to eat meat or sustain yourself fully on vegetables i think of breath of the wild in that way that some people were like i'm never going to kill a fox i'm never going to eat meat i can survive fully on these vegetable only recipes and that is a cool choice that you can make to like be a vegan in a video game versus like being just like only meat eater um, I um and, some of and, my favorite yeah. choices uh mm-hmm. are are the ones that like they they truly acknowledge like a lot of people choose to play games in ways that um the developers didn't originally intend so like mm-hmm. you'll get uh the whole community of no kill runs uh which are super interesting to to do a a game that kind of requires killing and you as a as a character have done none of it yourself you always mm-hmm get like a you know a follower to do it if you actually need to kill anybody or um though my favorite uh, example though i don't like the game personally um undertale you guys can talk about more mm, i was just of, about to say of uh oh. the the fact that you can absolutely go through that game without killing anybody um or you can start it not realize that you can go through it without killing anybody kill somebody then try to restart it and it's like i know what you're doing you can't trick me Right. And being aware, like, now we're not even talking about choice where, um, see, that, that takes a completely different direction. Because first we were talking about choice where you are supposed to feel immersed into the game. And Undertale, like uh, some games that are doing it these days, has changed the script so that the game is aware of you as a player and your personal morality and your choices. So that's what's really interesting about Undertale is that... When you, like you said, when you restart the game, if you've already killed people, the game says to you, like, I know who you are, I know what you're trying to do, and, you know, I have a certain way I feel about it. Versus, like, just wiping your memory and being, okay, I'm going to start this new character that feels a certain way. Um, right, yeah. First time I played Undertale is after my friend played it for a little bit. And he just would kill people randomly because we didn't know anything mm-hmm. about it. So when I restarted it, I was like, oh, I got to do a no-kill run the first time. But the game knew I had killed the the cow lady in the beginning, or my right. friend did. So the first time I Poor meet her, it's like, like, it's like, what's wrong? It looks like you're staring at a ghost. And like, well, mm, I guess yeah. I was. So I guess in Undertale, it's like, so good. that was like a very memorable thing where the consequences of what you've done, the, the choices you made actually affected gameplay uh, in a sense. Because uh, you can, like, the hardest boss you'll fight in Undertale is if you go and kill absolutely everyone. 
So right, yeah, yeah, and I th- yeah, exactly. It's like uh, if you do the genocide run, then it mm-hmm. meets you with that much aggression, and even not even the final boss. There are other bosses like Sands, I believe, unless he's the final one, that specifically will be harder on you if you've been doing a genocide run versus a pacifist run. Like people will talk to you differently. They'll want to f- like the yeah, just the fighting will be more difficult or not, um, and. And it is kind of incredible that it's aware of that. I'm trying to think of other games now that have like, and I've brought this up before, like uh, just games that have that meta. Oh, look at my camera. I'd love to see it. Games that oh have my that gosh. meta of um, just trying to be aware of the fact that like you are a player playing this game. It wants you to think about that, uh, so, that you're not immersed, like you're part of this. A game that so makes do, me- Do you- uh... Do you like the uh, consequences, like overarching consequences of something, or do you just almost like just, I don't know how to phrase it. Do you want the illusion, or do you actually want the consequences of what you've done? Like the immediate reward of something that you've chosen, or do you want that to affect a storyline way down the line? Um, I think that I do actually want it to affect it, I think that when it does truly affect the storyline, then that gives me the desire to replay it and see how my different choices um, change the outcome of the game. Uh, personally, I, like, I don't think that I love the illusion illusion of choice, at, at least in terms of like dialogue and stuff. Um, I, I don't love that as much as actual consequential changes to the the gameplay and the outcome of it. Okay, so like for, like for example, in Telltale Games, The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. uh, one of the first people you save is either you save this woman or you save this guy. Um, and it completely changes the next level, but not the overarching story, if you, who you choose to save. So that's like an immediate consequence versus the overall story of what you've done. Undertale, you'll do things that will affect your next gameplay even, but not necessarily yeah. your immediate gameplay. Uh, I prefer things that change the overall gameplay versus the immediate gameplay. The The short-term payoff is nice in the moment, but when that moment's done and like later on there's no ever again reference to it, you're just like, mm. okay, so that was like kind of like a wash. Like it, it always feels like when there's only an immediate effect, it's like you could have done so much more with this, but like mm. it was, it wasn't meant for that purpose, you know? Okay. So I think of like FTL when we talk about this a little bit uh, faster than light because you do have these. Um, I mean, it's a roguelike where you're going and you're you're trying to destroy someone else's ship, but then you're given dialogue options and you have that option of either leaving something alone or investigating it and risking your your health or your that resources. Fucking spider man, let me tell you. Yeah, or or Every like goddamn time. Or and I think that's like what the spiders will be infested in a ship and they'll like kill your people or something. Yeah, you um, only ever do it if you have a, a clone bay. That's exactly. Much the route. So that's the other thing is that you can have something in, um, in your gameplay like that you haven't had before, where you either have an NG, which is like a an animatronic type of character that can go into something that's infested with a virus and not get affected because it's not an organic creature. Or um, if you so like if you have an NG on your ship and you have and like you're prompted with a dialogue option that says you see like a virus spreading throughout a community, then you can send that character down and you have a blue option under that choice because you know that they will succeed no matter what. And I think that's really interesting when it comes to choice in video games because for like a roguelike that has loops, it depends on how you start the game, the decisions you've made that like give you newer options every time and it can be a new option within the first round uh that you've never seen before yeah i think i think it adds the replayability of a lot of roguelites which i'm sure you guys already talked about in the last episode (laughs) (laughs) i mean we could talk a lot about roguelikes because it's like almost roguelikes are almost less um they they push for like less options and you're supposed to just be immersed in this one run versus a rogue light, which has carryover progress. So you could actually make decisions in a rogue light that affect your later runs. 
Um, but yeah. a lot of yeah, and and that carryover progress is part of that that um, continuity. I think. Uh, so when we talk about choice in video games, it's is it building a larger continuity that you're continuing to follow, or like you said, is it giving you an immediate payoff? Hmm. Was there any memorable moments in a game you played where you're just like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> I have to do this now"? <laughs> yeah, Telltale. Um, unfortunately, I I had heard such good things about Telltale games, and I bought the Game of Thrones one. And mm-hmm. I was actually really annoyed with it because it felt like it had this illusion of choice, but it had really no choice. Like you knew kind of that they have to pay these actors a certain amount of money for a certain amount of lines. So it's not like they can have an incredible amount of options with these voice actors. Um, but every single thing you did felt like it was a disastrous choice and it really sucked because I felt like nothing I did went well and that no matter what, even if I did like do something else, it wasn't going to go well. And that kind of is the point of Game of Thrones is that every decision has really intense consequences, but it kind of sucked because I felt like there was no way I could outsmart it and make better choices for me and my family because like you're playing within the world of Game of Thrones, so you know that there's ultimately these certain plot points you have to hit. Right. Uh, if you ever played the Wolf Among Us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one I was just pulling up. Yeah, that's the, that's a game that ultimately doesn't change the ending. Um, But the consequences in that game always feel like really good. It, mm-hmm. it, it almost like you almost don't even realize uh, you, you can take the left path and go see this person in the beginning, or you can go take a right path and see uh, this like this pig. I think mm-hmm. um, if you go left first, you'll actually save the prince there, mm-hmm. but you don't know that unless you were to replay it. It doesn't even like tell you that because if you go right and go to the pig, and like nothing's actually wrong with him, he's just freaking out. Uh, but yeah, going go, and then later on you go left and you see that he's dead and you're just like, what's going on? Um, I guess that's what I like, I guess. Um, I mean, I know ultimately I've gotten used to it where these kind of games, the ending isn't really going to change that much mm-hmm. because that's why I liked Undertale so much. But um, I almost go for that immediate. Oh, the, at the scene in this trailer, he's got to rip that guy's arm off. Because <laughs> I chose to rip his arm off, okay? <laughs> and ultimately that doesn't really do anything, but like he's a little pissed off at you. Wolf Among Us, though, I actually remember really liking that one specifically. Because, um, yeah, like it does tell a story, but it does actually feel like the choices bring the world to life a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, it sounds like the Game of Thrones one, it didn't really do that. And that's like, that's when the illusion of choice is done right versus when it's done wrong. Even though they are both telltale games, one of them is like Game of, you know, the Game of Thrones one is like, uh, with there's... the real voice actors like right that was a really cool element of it but it kind of ruined the the telltale choice thing <laughs> right and so like from that but also like game of thrones kind of does go on such a specific story of everything's bad all the time mm-hmm. so um like yeah, i guess all gonna die yeah shit. exactly like everybody dies everybody sucks um so no matter what your choice is, it's a bad choice because uh, you're bad because you're in the Game of Thrones universe and everybody's bad. Everybody sucks. Um, whereas in this, it it did kind of give you the um, the ability to play it as sort of like this distance uh, detective, you know, the wolf among us. It was like, oh, you're like this distance detective or like you're like very involved in the lives of the people and, and you want to really genuinely find out what happens even though the the end of the story doesn't change too much there are people who die you know those people die in the game mm-hmm. which is nice if you guys yeah. haven't played it i i still recommend actually playing this game the story itself is really good wolf among yes. us yeah yeah absolutely i've played it too it's so all three of us anyone who's listening play wolf among us even if it has like maybe not that much option in the end ending the immediate payoff of the choices you make are very enticing they're very like emotionally weighted and um we talked about this a little bit before the podcast started that the you normally have like 
choices where you can spend all this time waiting and like looking at all of the stuff in a room but then you're hit with these quick time events that you have to make a choice between now and now and like if you don't do it or yeah i i, I don't know if wolf among us does this where if you don't make a choice at all during certain things it'll choose it does, for yeah, you yeah that's the that's telltale's dialogue system yeah uh, in Fable 3, it actually did that. Like I said, I think I've mentioned to you guys earlier, the very first consequence you make is choosing the lives between the woman you love or this random family, this poor mm-hmm. people. And actually, the king, uh, if you don't make a choice at all, he just is like, all right, I'll speak for you, and, I, and it, we'll kill them both. And he just <laughs> gets rid of both of them completely. They're both dead. Bam. Mm. Um, yeah. Fable Never was always it. trying to make those kind of consequential... Uh, I guess quick time events almost is what they are. Fable was always trying to do a lot of things that it yeah. didn't do. <laughs> yeah, Fable three is what Fable two is supposed to be. Fable two is what Fable is supposed to be. And Which now we is have a shame because game. Fable the original was my favorite of the series. Right. What other so. games do you feel did very badly when it came to giving you choice? Like they gave you the illusion of choice, and it really felt very narrowed it felt like oh you you're kind of lying about this like that you you built this up to be something a little more than it was because the first thing that comes to mind as much as i do love these games um the games from that uh, i'll find the studio but beyond two souls and heavy rain quick time kind of narratives where you feel like you're given a choice but it's really like you just have to press triangle within five seconds and it doesn't make Quantic the dream. biggest difference. Quantic Dream, thank you. Um, but like with Beyond Two Souls, there was this like impression that you would just have like the choice of making like your relationships go this way or that. But it really it is very linear. And even though they have like quick time events where you have to press a button, it just doesn't feel like like the the weight comes from the actual writing of the story and not so much from the choices you make. And but they That was a weird zoom in. Oh, in this trailer. <laughs> um, uh okay, so I think probably the Blair Witch game is my least favorite one where there is choices because they didn't really highlight that there was choices. It was like, mm. "Hey, do this." And then like you find out at the spoiler for those who didn't play it, the fucking banger of a game that is Blair Witch. Um you find out at the end like, "Oh, if you had just like not killed anybody uh you actually would have like escaped out but like the way that it was Mm. i i assume it was meant to like give you this sense of wanting to replay the story but it gave me the sense of never wanting to deal with that fucking game again (laughs) um because it was like hey uh you have to get out of here and the only way to do that is to kill these people and you're like okay i'll just accept that at face value and they may not have spelled it out quite like that, but it was, mm. uh, at least when I was playing, very heavily implied, um, from what I recall. And then at the end of the game, I got like this really bad ending, and I looked up, I was like, is there multiple endings to this game? And there are multiple endings to this game. Um, let me see. But the the only way to get the good ending is to like kill nobody. Otherwise you go insane or something. It's, it's ridiculous. And then you become the, the Blair killer. witch. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Essentially. The Blair witch. Um, it's the Where's trailer the says it's got all these great yeah. reviews. I think that they paid people to review it that well, Ooh. because it was not a good game. I played it all in one night. Max watched me play it. Uh, it wasn't very fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cam, well, what do you think? Bad, bad uh, choices. Bad game choices. Bad choices. I've actually installed mods to stop this from happening. Uh, my <laughs> companions in Fallout 4 disagreeing with the choice I've made in a dialogue option, and they're like, oh, uh, 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 this random, random chick doesn't like this. I'm like, well, fuck you too, okay? Um, I just I would literally install a mod. It's like, she doesn't like this, but nothing would happen. That's what the, the, the thing would change. There was no longer negative impact on my choices because I was just like, I don't, I want this person to give me, I guess like if a companion likes you mm-hmm. in a certain way, they'll give you something later on, but they'll like contradict each other, trying to make you like which one, which companions do you like the most? Uh, and I hated that. I'll be honest. 
Mm. Right. Well, then because they, they force you to, they like force you to choose, which is a yeah, very it, different yeah. thing. And a Bethesda Fallout's game been kind of bad at that. Yeah. Um, like, like the three paths you can take the underground, the, uh, I forget what the science people are called for God's <sighs> sakes. Don't get mad at me guys. <laughs> uh, you got the brotherhood of steel. Adam. The Adam guys drag them. Like um, all those are pretty much the same. Like, yeah, the, the, thing about fallout that sticks out to me the most is in uh i think obsidian did a great job with new vegas when they the mods broke that immediately as well um in in new vegas it was like you could go this way but like you're gonna run into death claws and all this stuff that's going to straight up kill you because you're level two um or you can go this way which is the path we want you to go um so we've put all of these nearly insurmountable objects in your way Mm. um from the other path and and i i like that because i didn't feel like i was being for like i I felt like i felt like i had a choice of what to do i just knew that one would be near impossible um so i wanted to follow the way that was easier because there was less resistance i could get more experience and i could fuck those death claws up later Um, yeah that, that freedom to go where you want but still have consequence to it yeah and so i i thought they did really well with that um i think that was the best that fallout did in terms of um player agency and choice um yeah it's like going from a game that is labeled as an rpg with sandbox elements rather than a sandbox game with rpg elements like i feel like sandbox games are the far end of you can make any decision you want but you're going to have a lot harder time feeling consequence from like the narrative and consequence. There's like from no, your, there's like, like no consequence. Exactly. Mine, yeah, like, Minecraft, there's no consequence in whatever you do. You know, like, Oh, I mean, you keep even, digging right. down. You're going to die. That's, that's the consequence. Yeah. <laughs> even GTA though. I mean, you talk about like no con like GTA is basically the short term consequence is the only consequence. Right. Like you, you commit crime cops chase you for X amount of time. Right. Um, I love it. And that's, <laughs> oh no, it's fun. You know, it's just like there, there is no like actual choice in that game. It's, mm-hmm. it's like you do this mission, but it, it's it. not like that's not what the game's there for. You know, sometimes the game doesn't need choice to, to provide that entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a game that has like a. I feel like Cyberpunk tried to do this, where they're like, we have this incredibly open world game. You can make all of these different decisions, and you can like customize your character. And it ended up being so much more shallow than they put it out to be. Like when you start off and you build your character, that's the only way you can ever make them look. And there's no real like evolution of your person and your personality through that gameplay. Just kind of how you experience the world. And I think. Go ahead. No, no, I'm good. Okay. I was going to say, I think that there's a lot of games um, where they they tell you, like they sell you on the idea of choice. Mm-hmm. Then they try to build in the illusion of choice. They don't do it super well. That's why I always appreciate Larian Studios games, even if I get frustrated sometimes at them. Mm-hmm. Like that, they literally are dedicated to giving you choice. Like if you want to just completely cut out this part of the story, go for it. Kill this person. We don't fucking care. Um, it, it's so hard to actually do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you guys yeah. ever watched the. Uh, I mentioned it a lot while ago. That Bandersnatch movie on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch it. Technically, but I know a video it. game. I yeah, would say it's interactive film. Almost. I would. I don't know. It's not really fun. We Wait, did the like preface... survive the wilderness interactive film on Netflix. And let's preface this real girls. quick with what are examples of choices in games and game choices that you really thought worked um there's a game called life is strange i don't know if you guys have heard of it mm-hmm. i have yeah uh there's a the gameplay element is essentially you're this girl in high school um and you realize you have this power to rewind time mm. so it presents this power to you uh that's the girl for your name but you can like go back in time and you can redo your choice to make the perfect event and then the first major thing that's going to happen um, in the first episode is this girl who's been teased 
the entire time uh, is about to commit suicide. Hmm. And you're forced to make a decision, but you no longer have the ability to rewind time. So like it has the gameplay element and it shows you what you can do. And the entire time you're like, you're doing this and you're doing like trying to find the best ways to do it. It's almost like a puzzle game almost. Mm. And then it just strips it away from you and you have to do a series of dialogue choices to save this girl's life or she's going to jump. I think, and I don't even, I don't really think that like changes too much of what happens in the story, but like that was a very impactful part in the, in the first episode was the life is strange when you have to try to save this chick. Did you um, play through that whole game? Yeah. I've heard of Life is Strange, actually. Now I kind of want to play it more. I think I own all of Life is Strange, but I've never played it. Oh, it's it. chapterized? Yeah. Yes. Nice. I, I th- that was what initially turned me off of it, but eventually, uh, you know, through different sales and stuff, you get each episode for free. So mm. Yeah. Um, and I still do want to hear about Bandersnatch, by the way, because I think that's a, an example of a game that did it really well. Like Bandersnatch, uh, interactive film by Netflix, released in 2018. It was, uh, it was like they're trying to do that illusion of choice, and the guy just couldn't figure out a way to actually make it work. And so, in, in the fact that, like, in the different endings and paths, it almost made fun of it because it was, it's like impossible to actually make perfect choice that would affect the overall gameplay in 1984, where this movie was taking place. Mm-hmm. But, um, it like it made them go crazy, like in multiple endings. I, I can only do it like two or three times. I couldn't keep going through it. But, I thought it was interesting. Like that illusion of choice was more important. It was actually a better seller than him actually making a game. You can go between multiple infinite amount of paths because it actually they even talked about in a review is one of the endings you get like a review of the game it fails horribly because it's too convoluted mm-hmm. there's like infinite choices and it like it almost like giving too much freedom to the player is harmful to the game itself and i remember you asking me when i talked about the new binding of isaac dlc that was coming out which is just like another add-on to the base game and this keeps happening with that game is is it too many choices for the player are there too many items and options and like is it overwhelming to have 10 years worth of dlc added on to this base game um because that i mean that's not like dialogue choice that affects your narrative but that like every single room you enter and the way you enter it like uh you you can decide on like what items you get and how powerful your build is Um, right it's like an oversaturation going back to that min max thing you you want to be like the most powerful player most powerful build with the least amount of resources used oh we never actually defined that you guys just made i think right it's made a joke about it and then just moved on (laughs) yeah the qwerty cast way the qwerty cast way um breath of the wild still not defining it it's not yeah it's (laughs) never defined uh um speculation only breath of the wild is a game that i think about having like incredible amounts of choice um maybe not like the best example ever but i, I wouldn't say, i would say it just gives you freedom it's not really a choice because yeah. yeah. the gameplay itself you know allots that it's just it's an open world game um yeah you don't have to go get the guardian so you can just go straight to game right you can, really want exactly to. but uh so i'm thinking more like forced choices onto you okay like i said like that life is strange you have to you have to make a decision on to save this girl's life somehow. That's a consequence to your actions. There are games that have timed events that like make you do things right then and there. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned earlier Baldur's Gate. Uh, character customization, there's no time on that. You just the only the only thing you're wasting time is your your friend's time because they're waiting for you to make your character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um there i mean i guess baldur's gate really goes into though like the the overall D aspect of like i mean choice defines D, you know what you do ultimately changes what happens next and usually has a, a larger impact on the story you know it ties in later if you make an ally at the beginning of your campaign it's usually brought back in some way later on in the story or at the end of the game, like that ally comes back and assists you in some way, or you have the option of calling that ally in, in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so I guess like for Baldur's Gate to me, what I can think of is like, you can literally start the game and talk to somebody and be like, I fucking hate you. And they're like, okay, <laughs> fine. Bye. And that's it. That's it. You don't have that character in your party and that's it. They're, they're done. Right. Um, and, and I love that concept of you, you were truly changing the entire way that the game plays from there forward mm. by just cutting out a character. What type of, and I, I could probably make this like the last like official question we go for, but what do you want to see going forward? Like what type of game where you're given choice would you want to play? And we've probably already mentioned examples of that kind of game, but you know, going like when you look for a game that says like you have the ability to choose your path, like what are you going to look for? Mm. I think uh, and I'll start that off. Um, a game I haven't even mentioned yet, Stanley Parable. Uh, I think that game does an incredible, um, like it, it, it takes that, that choice in video games, um, and it really plays with it very well. It's essentially you are like a, an office worker and you have a narrator and you leave your office and the narrator says you have two choices in front of you and you can defy the narrator. And if you defy the narrator, he argues with you and he gets mad at you. And it's a game all about having literally having the illusion of choice and deciding to go with the narr narrator or go with your own decisions. And that, uh, I think you can die pretty quickly, but that loop will like affect the next loop. And it, I think it does sometimes have like carryover progress. But yes. games like that, that like we talked about with Undertale, games that are meta in that it understands that you are a human being who are who's making choices for a video game character are really interesting to me. I, I think. Um, go ahead. Okay. Oh, I mean, it really depends on the game. I want to play. I don't like say uh, I do an evil act and it's going to completely, it's like the worst thing to do mm -hmm. ultimately for your gameplay. Uh, I just, I just want to like, what if I just want to like punch the reporter, you know, who cares? Yeah. Just let me do it. So if I'm, if I'm given say you can do anything you want, I want that ultimate freedom to actually do what I want and it not affect I guess the story, but like, mm -hmm. like I was trying to get with Bandersnatch is it's, it's really hard to give you unlimited freedom. You have to give yourself almost like a, like an area to play in, like literally a sandbox. Like mm -hmm. that's the whole point of it. You have to bind the story in this area and you can flex around it a bit, but you have to get to the end point eventually. Uh, I don't mind games like that. Hmm. I want I want the opposite. I, I I like games that when I make a choice, it genuinely, um, it prevents me from doing anything. Um, I I think a, a good example for me would be the Outer World or Outer Worlds. Outer Wilds. No, no, not Outer Wilds. Outer World. Mm, that's uh, the, the one that's like it's it has the Obsidian like class based one. conflict, right? Uh, it's it's the obsidian game that's basically Fallout but in space, but mm. you can't say that because it's obsidian <laughs> and obsidian sold Fallout to Bethesda. Okay, <laughs> getting getting off topic here. Um, so it's it's the obsidian game that it's based around choice. It's an RPG. You can play it if you have Xbox Game Pass. It's on there. Mm. Um, I just uninstalled it because I'm not going to play it again. Um, but. I, I liked that in that game there was the like super extra hardcore mode and I didn't love every aspect about it. But the one aspect that I did like is that there wasn't like that. Like you couldn't just save whenever and then like reload a dialogue choice so that you could get the outcome that you wanted. It was like, you're moving forward. This is what's presented to you. Do you tell this person to go fuck themselves or do you give them what they want? And whatever your choice is, that is how that interaction goes and you'll never change it unless you restart the whole game, play up to this point again and choose the opposite thing. And those that's the kind of game that I like to play a lot of times because it it gives me that sense of replayability, though um, I do have to open a question up to you guys after I say this. Uh, even though it gives me that sense of replayability, I usually find that I make the same choices over and over in a lot of games. 
And so my question to you is, um, do you explore all of the different options that you could do in games? Do you replay a game so that you can do an evil run and a good run and a neutral run and a whatever other spectrum run there is? I personally can't find myself doing that because uh, if I make a choice that feels really particularly evil, mm. I, uh, <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> my my personal morality gets in the way of me role playing as an evil person in a lot of games unless i know that my choice doesn't affect it in which case all bets are off sandbox games kill everything yeah every if, if they're like valheim if there's an animal i'm killing it i don't care yeah i i i feel the same way actually is i my personal morality does sometimes get in the way of the decision i make and over time like as i've gotten older i've tried to actually push myself to make the bad decision in order just to see what happens and like play within that mentality um but more often than not i am trying to just kind of make everyone happy and live happy (laughs) and it's gut-wrenching right like you're you you play a game you always play the good story so you go and try to do the evil run and the first thing you do is like uh yeah, I'm just gonna kill this person. Like, yeah. Wait, why? Like, and and like everybody yells at you too. They're like, why? Why are you doing this? And why? like their like, child comes no out. There's no reason like, to kill him. That was my only dad. They give me food. <laughs> I'm dad. gonna die now. <laughs> that was my yeah, last I, father. And and it's like, and you're just sitting there. You're like, what have I done? <laughs> um. At I, least that's how it is for me. Cam, what about you? You seem to be. Um. I always say to everybody else that you're like the chaotic person of the group like if there's something that you could do to just fuck around you seem to do it at least that's my opinion of you and i'm sorry if it's off base it's okay (laughs) (laughs) um i know certain i don't know it depends on the game there's certain games where i would like um i always become this broke stealth archer no matter what i do Who, who will just kill whoever he wants but like let's say uh bring back RimWorld, right that game, um, it's a game about consequences and how you play around them because it will present with you random, um, just random events will come at you. So you can make your colony, let's say a bunch of slavers or a bunch of slavers try to come in and kill you. So you could, you know, you could um, kill them. Easy. Take their gear. Uh, or you can capture them. Make them, and if you capture them, there's a couple things you can do. Mm. So I've explored different ways so you can either you know skin them alive and make leather clothing out of them or you can sell them to other traders and make a shit ton of money or you can make them join your colony and there's all these consequences doing all that but uh i kind of just it depends on the game for me Mm -hmm. so like in a game like rimworld i will go for what i think is the best decision uh at that moment to like make my colony better i guess in a game like in like a game like Skyrim or let's just go with Mass Effect. A game like Mass Effect, if I think the writing is going to be cheesy as hell, I'll almost go for like the neutral option because I just don't want to deal with this guy being overly good or overly evil because it's just like, come on, man. Like, why'd you have to laugh at the end after you shoot him? Who, that's so, that's so, <laughs> anno- that's so annoying. Like, come on. Yeah. I think I know what you mean. Yeah, just that... um and it really does come back to the writing a lot of the choices you make. What what if the bad choices are really incredibly written? You know, uh, like at the end of the day, it is devs. It is people making both options for you and or both or all three, however many options you get. Why not explore those options for the sake of seeing what the devs made for you to explore? I, I do. I do like to explore options and depending on how bad it can be. Um, I think Bioshock, you're you're given a decision to either save the children or immediately rip them of their their uh, Eve, I think it's what it's called, or Adam, Adam. Adam. Yeah. And if you do that, I mean, ultimately in the long run, it's better just to save them all because mm-hmm. you get more in the long run because they'll give you little gifts. Or you know, I just wanted to see what happened. I I pick up the child and I stab her with the needle, <laughs> and it's super gruesome. Like. Yeah, it it is that was. I think that was probably the first game where that I played where I I felt the consequence of my actions and it hurt me personally. And she's like pushing away the hand, and saying no, no, and like mm-hmm. I'm never doing yeah. this again. <laughs> right, 
And I think I think I don't know that I ever brought myself to finish a full evil run of Bioshock because like you do that one time and you're just like, oh, that's that hurts. I don't like that. Um, my favorite. I I did want to loop back really quick. Um, to one of my favorite games that did a decision because of how stupid it was that you that they offered this, but how nice it was that they did something so stupid. And that was uh, Far Cry Four. Hmm. Uh, right in the beginning of the game has my favorite decision ever, where um, the game wants you to leave when when the uh, boss essentially. Uh, captures you right in the beginning and he's like oh I, I'll, I'll be right back uh, just wait for me here and like if you wait you've got to wait a oh, decent amount of time yeah. like it, you have to have enough patience to actually sit through it or you could just walk away I guess technically and come back later um, but the game's trying to encourage you to leave that area but if you wait he's like hey thanks for waiting uh, you want to like rule this country with me and you're like okay sure and then the game ends. And I just love the idea that like, like, yeah, we made this game and you could totally explore it however you, you see fit. It's a sandbox game. Uh, but also if you want to just beat the game, there it is. It takes like 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Speedrunner achievement. There yeah. you go. And now you can play the game. Mm-hmm. That's really funny. It's just a stupid way to incorporate choice in game. Mm-hmm. But it, it was fun. It was a fun little nod to, to actually, like, to the people who do walk around and explore every little inch of an area. What was like? What was the last question you asked us? Oh, it was um, if you played through, uh, like, the evil route mm. in games, or if you just yeah. chose one route and stuck through it. Like, if if you replay a game, I I know a lot of people. I try. I did this more when I was younger. I would do an evil run. Then I'd do a good run, and a lot of people I know did that because uh, it felt like uh, I'm gonna do the evil way. I'm gonna destroy everything, mm-hmm. but then I'm gonna do a good run, and I'm gonna really reward myself by saving everything. Um, I, a game like Dishonored, I um, I played it like the hardest way I could, mm-hmm. but I didn't do it. The hardest way is to do a no powered, no kill, stealth run of an assassin game. That was rough. So instead, I don't like to replay games, though. That's the thing. Yeah. So I never got to experience all the cool powers you can do in Dishonored. Instead, I'll end up just like looking up the endings, to be honest. Yeah, that's what I do more so now. Yeah, that kind of answers a question you had earlier, uh, I think, Dave, is that, um, yeah, I also don't really like replaying a long game, which is ironic because I love roguelikes, which are just loop after loop. But... I, but they're a it, short game exactly and so it's like if it's a game which pisses me off so much when like you've spent like 30 minutes in a loop and then you die but um yeah so long long games where you want to do a passive versus a genocide run or whatever like undertale as much as i really like that game i never had a desire to go back and play it even though i know that there was a lot of like meta um changes to the game after you've done a run but I just knew about all the things that were happening because people were telling me about it. So um, I just didn't feel like spending all that time in the beginning because it felt kind of slow to start. So, yeah. you know. But I am excited to play more games that do that meta commentary. Like, that is definitely the one that I'm looking forward to more. Interesting. I I'm I'm just... I'm all in on a single playthrough of a game, mm-hmm. but I want that playthrough to be meaningful, and I want yeah. I want unique experiences throughout the game. Um, if the choices don't feel like they've done anything to me at the end of the game, then I I kind of lose interest. It's actually why I stopped playing Baldur's Gate right now, is because I can only play a certain amount of it, mm-hmm. um, because it's in early access, right. I think we scratched the surface oh on player choice in games. Yeah. Um, there's there's so much more depth that you can go into as to like, I mean, you could analyze each game individually of how those choices impact the game or if they impact the game at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, lots, lots more that we could talk about, but for sake of time, we're going to, you know, 
wrap it up? Not. <laughs> uh, so let us know if you want us to do a continuation of this episode. Um, and if you don't, let us know that too. I want to hear somebody screaming in Discord. That was the worst episode I've ever heard. Never revisit this topic. Because that means someone's listening, and that means a lot to me. Yeah, so we'll, we'll revisit regardless. So fuck you. Exactly. We will revisit it regardless, <laughs> but I would like to know fuck if this. you'll be upset by it. Yeah, I know, right? I just want to get all the haters in the chat. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining me in this discussion. And next up, we have an after show, so a little bit about us. And with that, Criticast out. Criticast out. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers, our QWERTYcast hosts, our audio engineer slash musical master Gary, and you, our listeners. If you'd like to join our community, find us through QWERTYcast.com, which has links to all of our platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, Discord, and more. On behalf of everyone here at QWERTYcast, thanks for listening. This is Cam saying, QWERTYcast out. <laughs>